Hey guys. I'm Allie. And I'm Kavitha. And this is the Open Minded Reminder, where we find deep meaning in just about everything. Consider this your first and final reminder to proceed with an open mind in any and all discussions, starting now. Wait, I think we just figured life out. No, we didn't. Um, hey guys, uh, we just wanted to do a different kind of intro and see if, you know, some ASMR. Yeah, we just want to keep you on your toes. That's what it's about here. Mm. Changing perspective, changing sounds, changing tone of voice. <laughs> and it's important to stay open-minded to all of it. Right, Kavitha? <laughs> it's a message, actually, is what we just She really did. twerked that out, didn't she? Yeah. <laughs> she was like, I want to start whispering. Let me figure out a way to make it work. I just like. I just want to whisper sometimes. Yeah, I let me know if you guys. Oh wait, <laughs> let me know if you guys want a full episode that's whispering. No, you I'm guys really no, wanting it. We've already gone over this. Yeah, but I remember last time I said no. They don't want that because I don't want that. I want to give it another try. The entire episode. You couldn't, Allie. There's no way that you would be able to make it through an entire episode whispering only. I could do it. You can't. We maybe maybe we can do maybe we can do an open minded moment where Wait, we're just whispering. I just when I was whispering, I just got reminded of the Grinch, and there's a scene in the Grinch, the Jim Carrey version, where he he whispers some. Oh yeah, yeah. He's laying on the if you know this movie. He's it's a scene where he's in his cave and he's laying on his chair and that he's going back and forth with the echo where he's like you're an idiot and the echo yells back you're an idiot and then like the Grinch goes like if I whisper. And then the cave still yelled, you're an idiot. It's a, it's a ridiculous <laughs> scene, but that's just what it reminded me of. It's the holiday season. It's season. Yeah, it's a holiday season. Uh, should we just dive right in? Let's dive right in. Head first? <laughs> yeah. Head first. As we always do. How about you take us through our first quote today? Okay, sure. So I was so excited. Actually, when I first read this first quote, I was like, okay, let's go. I'm ready to, I'm ready to rumble. So the first quote of this week is, I don't think there's much point in bemoaning the state of the world unless there's some way you can think of to improve it. Otherwise, don't bother writing a book. Go and find a tropical island and lie in the sun. Bam! Yes. Savage. Yes, savage. That was by <laughs> Peter Singer, an Australian-American philosopher. Oh, that that that's actually, that feels like an Australian, Australian thought. Australian, yeah. <laughs> he's not, he has not, di- he's not died, so, oh, we never do those, I forgot. He was born in 1946 for anyone who's interested. And he has not yeah. died yet. He has not died yet. And he's, he's a still philosopher. kicking. Yeah. He's still kicking. Um, yeah, that is a direct quote. You know what? I think that's a quote that we all need to hear sometimes. Yeah, amen. Like, don't complain. Don't be a complainer unless you are actively trying to solve the problem. I love this quote yeah. as a reminder to myself. Oh, yeah. As a reminder to the world. I Everyone. loved it everyone but i like what he talked about in this chapter too because like it's it's hard sometimes you know like first of all here's here's the counter arguments to that one yes i think complaining is a really an unproductive bad activity however sometimes a you just need to vent and sometimes two you really can't do much about the situation sometimes to help um but i don't think that's what they're talking about here i think they're talking about like big deal problems where like you can't actually like donate or go help and solve a problem rather than just well yeah well just for context so they have this like example of the story of a girl who basically was told that she was delivering a child to a family who was adopting him they later find out this is a very intense example but they later find out or she later finds out that the child is actually being sold for his organs so does she have a moral obligation to go fix that <laughs> it's problem? It's an intense story. Yeah, it's extremely intense. Um, and so, you know, spoiler alert, she does fix the problem. But that's kind of like the na- analogy that he's using where he's saying, like, if you can do something about it, you should. Yeah, and that all that story also shows that sometimes when you do go out of your way to help, you accidentally sometimes make things way worse. So yeah, it's hard yeah. to know when to help but again i don't think that should stop you from helping people make like he talks about it here people make 
uh, excuses all this all the time. For example, there's this charity or this nonprofit called that he talks about called Oxfam, and the to not donate to a an organization like Oxfam, people make excuses like they say, well, how can we be certain that Oxfam will will do its job fairly and properly? How do we know they're gonna they're gonna use my money correctly? Doesn't charity ultimately lead to dependence and laziness as well? You know, I've heard those things all the time, and even I have actually thought those things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are excuses, and this philosopher would not really have tolerance for those types types of excuses. Yeah, and to use the argument just that. You don't know where it's really going, so it's not worth doing. Is a is what he say, he he says is like not a good excuse. It's it, it's an excuse. Don't get him wrong. Don't get him wrong. I'm speaking for him now. <laughs> don't don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, like it's still an excuse, and recognize that. Right and uh, yeah, and it's true. It says um, the last part of the chapter is like he sums it up nicely when he says. Uh, There's a snipe against people who moan and groan about all the injustices of the world while never getting out of their comfy chairs to actually do something about those injustices. And that really called to action today's society where, you know, we are so good at, quote, raising awareness where we sit behind on our social media and we post about things and and we like other people doing things and we we're able to feel good about ourselves because we're we're quote raising awareness now raising awareness can be a good thing and is mm-hmm. and, and is important but i think a lot of us use it as a crutch to make us feel like we are doing our part mm-hmm. when we all know we could be doing a little more than just raising awareness yeah and like it actually i i even notated so my my professor who helped me with my thesis he was like my advisor mm-hmm. he had an entire thought of like slacktivism his name was you can look slacktivism. up his, yeah, his, you can look up that, that like entire study. It's, it's called slacktivism by Kirk Christofferson mm. and he, which first of all, great name. Yeah. Second of all, name. it was a really interesting like way to approach it because what he found was that people felt like they got the, the same level. I'm butchering the overall concept here, so don't come at me, but mm-hmm. basically that people feel just as content wearing like a ribbon and being like oh i did enough mm-hmm. to help the cause like not doing not donating they're not like they're not donating any money yeah they're not like actually going to walks or like actually going to things they're just right. wearing a ribbon and they feel like they've they've contributed to the cause which kind of like what you were saying i feel like mm-hmm. we're in that age of like not maybe not so much ribbons but I'm we all want to be this. an activist but a lot of us right. are, are inactive activists Right. Because we're not doing right. anything. We're and just like, showing honest, support. I also feel like I, I think that there like how many of us posted the black square thing and then and actually then, did some yeah. work to really understand. I think that to be honest, though, I will give a lot of people credit. I think this time there were a lot of people who I feel like actually tried to understand like the donating. message. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't as much. It wasn't so much like true slacktivism. Yeah. But it does kind of it brought forward that thought that like it's not enough like it's not like it's not enough to care about to like do everything with for every cause and then do nothing really yeah it would be way better and way more productive if you picked one cause really committed to it and then got out of your couch and like actually helped that cause yeah and the thing is like i think there's later chapters that talk more about it but this kind of plays into it where a lot of times like did you post that 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 black square and then did you go on Amazon and order something for yourself? So clearly like a lot of people have discretionary income and like movements need money and people and like those are the things they need most. Awareness is also super important, but those aren't like it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Awareness kind of is, is necessary. It's a, it's on the need pyramid, but it's not the the most needed thing. And a lot of us are in positions where, where we could have given money to these things or we could have been out on the protest, but there's a thousand and one reasons why maybe we didn't do that, which we'll go into, I think this, this chapter goes more into it later, but it's, I, I like how this, this philosopher and this quote kind of calls us out a little bit on that, yeah, which is totally. crazy coming from like a while ago and it's still so relevant today. So yeah, totally. don't be a slacktivist. Well, but I think that it just continues, right? Like, it continues into even today. Like, there's always a new cause. There's always a new movement. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is good. It's great in a way because it brings awareness. But like mm-hmm. you said, at the end of the day, like, if you're not doing much towards it, all the awareness in the world isn't going to help a cause if they don't have the resources. Yeah. So, yeah. We all in wanna, a way... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, we all want to feel like we're, like, a part of a movement, and we all want to feel like we're doing our part, but you know deep down if you're really doing something that's, like, 
gonna make a true impact you know yeah like, so like you, next i think this yeah. made me take like have a takeaway we we're gonna talk later about something that isn't necessarily so so intense of like you could be doing something else so therefore what you're doing is not not valid yeah. or not a value but it does make me every time i like think about a cause or like think about like every time i become aware to a new cause I think I'm going to try to regulate and try to understand, okay, is this a cause that I want to tie my name to, be a part of, and, Mm -hmm. you know, contribute? And it's okay if some other causes that I don't feel as strongly about, I don't contribute, but I can stay aware and not have to, like, feel the guilt of not, Well, yeah, and maybe the ones that, maybe the ones that, like, the few that you do end up choosing, you can now do more for. Exactly. Like, actually donate and actually do more things besides just, like, a social media post or add to your insta story you know yeah so yeah i think that's great advice choose an actual organization that you care about and do something besides just sitting back in your comfy chair and making a post now okay i have a question for you okay so my question for you is like okay if i'm someone who how do i want to phrase this if i'm someone who believes in a cause and has liked the like liked the thing and that's it so far but my way of feeling good and charitable towards that cause is by challenging other people to also be aware. Is that enough? Like encouraging others to join it? Like, let me give you like a story. So like, let's say that like, I'm someone who posted the black square or whatever, like whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm using that as an example because it was so recent. Yeah. So I posted the black square and now the way that I feel like I've accomplished something is by challenging you and saying, why haven't you? Yeah. I honestly like... Okay, well, one, that's, like, guilt manipulation. Like, you're, like, you're, like, so you're saying your role in the movement is to guilt people into also joining it. Well, maybe, maybe not guilting people into it, but just trying to rally more troops. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. Like, it's, like, what I was saying before. That's necessary. I think there are some people who need to do that, but the problem is that's what you just described is what the majority of people do. Well, actually, not true. Most people just, just like it and then they're done. But then, like, the next step after that is to try to at least talk about it more and get other people to agree with you. That's still, yeah. like, not trying that hard, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, you I, could still do more, but it's I'm not bad. To, I'm it's trying not to figure bad, out whether it's enough to just, like, try to talk to other people. Like, I'm trying to figure that out. It's better that, than nothing. that's what happens. It's yeah. better than yeah, yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. But, but, for most, but for most movements, it's not enough. You're not, you're not really going to do that much, like... There, there's plenty of people that do that. I think we should challenge ourselves to try and take it to the next step. Yeah. And that means yeah. you have to be, like you were saying before, genuine in your feelings about that movement. You shouldn't just be sharing it because all of your Instagram followers are doing it and you don't you don't want to you don't want to feel like you're going to look bad if you don't. Right. You need to actually be invested in the mission and you know, and if you if you do it with heart, then it then it makes a difference cuz and then you're going to be more compelled to do more than just that. Yeah. You know? Yep. Totally. So, yeah. All right, should we move on to the next quote? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, this next quote is by Niccolo Machiavelli, Italian philosopher and diplomat. I'm sure many of you have heard him before, especially with if you read The Prince by him, which is most, his most famous thing. His quote is, A man who strives after goodness in all his acts is sure to come to ruin since there are so many men who are not good. <sighs> this one was interesting. I did not like this quote. No? I actually disagreed with it let me read you a quote and i I put a question mark after it maybe you can interpret it okay so this was early on in the chapter it said not only is doing good a waste of time and resources it is counterproductive it gives our comp it gives our competitors just the advantage they need to screw us because we can count on it they are not dithering about what is the right thing to do as they reach for their daggers i was like huh what does that mean though (laughs) like literally what does that mean like why is doing good a waste of time resources like if someone's it's not it's not like when 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 you're doing something good you have enemies that are like gonna use the time you're doing good to like attack you what kind of well that's 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 what he's saying he is saying that he's saying basically from what i understood about it it's that every moment that we're not doing we're not doing the most to help ourselves is a moment that you do yourself a disservice by what opening yourself up to enemy attacks I mean, he doesn't literally mean enemy attacks, but, like, the the time that you're putting into helping others is time that other people are putting into themselves and how to get themselves ahead. 
So now you've just lost precious resources to get yourself oh, ahead. Oh, I see. That's okay. how I read it. I don't, I just think that's a stretch. However, I don't agree. I don't agree with it because I think that society does the best when, when we all help each other. I actually don't believe that, like, doing only what's good for you is what's best for yeah. society. I did want all of us, so us two and all, and all of our listeners, to do an activity that is... Ooh, that I is love in activities. This, that it's in this chapter. So in this chapter, there's a list which is the levels of goodness. Mm -hmm. It's how, levels of goodness in the sense of how, like, generous and giving are you. Mm -hmm. And there is eight levels that is listed here. And I, as, I want to read them, or you can read them. And then I want to discuss where you're at, where you think you're at, where I, where I'm at. And then for you listeners, like, think about what level you're at. And it, it's good. It puts it into perspective. Um, who wrote the, these levels of goodness, by the way? A, a medieval scholar. Yeah. Maimonides. So, these are the levels of goodness. So, how good of a person you are. Level one, giving begrudgingly. Level two, giving less than you should, but giving it cheerfully. Level three, giving after being asked. Four, giving before being asked. Five, giving when you do not know the recipient's identity, but the recipient knows you. Level six, giving when you know the recipient's identity, but the recipient does not know you. Seven, Giving when neither party knows each other. And then finally, eight. This is like the optimal level of goodness. Enabling the recipient to become self-reliant. Where do you think you're at? Like with the last like movement or whatever, where where do you think you fall? Not like most often when you are like giving to charity or you're like giving time. How does it happen for you? At which level? I think for the most part, for the most part, it's giving after being asked. Yeah. Because I Which think... Which is what, level three? Yeah. Like, think about, like, face those Facebook things. Like, a mm -hmm. lot of what I give is during those Facebook, like, I'm donating my birthday to blah, blah, blah. Donate. Yeah. Like, that's a majority of it. But I will say that, like, I think, I mean, this sounds self... This sounds self-complimentary, but I really true, do, truly do believe in eight. I don't know that I see these as, like, one after the other. Like, I think it's interesting, but... Enabling the recipient to become self-reliant, I think, has always been one of my biggest you, core you, beliefs. You believe in the core value of it. Yeah. But I, I agree. I, I put, I highlighted myself as level three because I've, I don't, I can't remember the last time I just, like, the thought came to me naturally and was like, hmm, I have, I have an, a little extra money right now. I have a little more time. I want to give back. What can I do? Yeah. It same. was always like, I have heard about some before. I, I've seen a charity tabling before. I've always had to, like, see it somewhere, which is not a bad thing because, I mean, like, how else are you really supposed to know where to give to unless they, like, market themselves? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, level three of, of eight. But see, this is where, like, I feel like these levels are not quite, they're not quite, like, like one after the other. Yeah, because, for example, giving after being asked. I don't give until I'm asked, right? Yeah. But when I do give, I don't like to put my name on it. So that would be under giving mm. when you don't know, when you know the recipient's identity, but the recipient does not know yours. Hmm. I wouldn't say that I'm a level six in terms of my ability to be charitable. I think I'm still a three. But mm. when I do give, I don't think that bumps me up to a six. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I feel like I'm like a three that also has the, the, I don't like when people know that I've given. Yeah, three, three, but you like buy into the other levels, like when you do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because then I think it defeats the purpose of giving if you want your name attached to it. Yeah, I agree. But then I don't know. Like, see, like, I don't know. But, if like, I agree but with a, these. according to this, they're saying that, like, giving after being asked is still worse than, than that. Because even, even with five and six, where, like, you either know or don't know the, the recipient's identity, you're still doing it on your own accord without having been asked for I it. I guess. I guess, like, which a is still kind of better. Yeah. It's still kind of better because, like, you're thinking to do it on your own. Uh, which is the next level. But I don't know. For me, I mean, yeah, regardless of if you buy into this list or not, I, I sort of do buy into it. And I, it definitely put it into perspective for me, like, hmm, I could be, like, better. Like, we yeah, could be morally yeah. better and, like, that, be I did walk more. away with that. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, but at the same time, I knew that. I've always known that I could be doing more than I'm doing. Yeah. We all sort of have that voice in our head. Or most of us do, I, th I, would, I would venture to assume. Yeah. But, uh... The, the challenging thing is, like, if we all have that voice that, that we could be doing more, why aren't we? You know? Yeah. I don't totally. know. Totally. I don't know why we're not. We I mean, should. and I, 
so I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. But I want to bring up a new thought, mm-hmm. which is I liked that they were they started to talk about because I feel like that's an age old question of when you give, if you choose to give in the name of trying to benefit yourself, is that a good or is that innately good or bad? Wait, can you say that again? So like, man, I wish I could. Oh yeah, like, that's in, in... That, that's on the last page where like self interest. Right. Where he said people rarely do the good thing unless there is something in it for them. We just need to face that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly that and like, I but I liked I liked how later they talked about like uh in in religion often in religion an act of goodness is an in and of itself is of itself an act of happiness. No reward coming after the event can compare with the sweet reward that went with it. Hmm. Which I think is a different way to look at it. And, like, how? Because it's not, it's, what what it's saying is that the the giving is the happiness. Yeah. It's not the reward. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, no reward could ever amount to the happiness you receive from giving. Right. Right. But at the same time, like, he, he described that as moral hedonism. Where giving makes you feel happy. It's still selfish. I guess, yeah, that's true. It's that's still true. like, I forgot like, about that, yeah. So, like, you're giving because you feel good. It's still, like, about us. It's always about us. And, and Which comes back to the, And he the, says, we just have just to accept reality. it. Yeah. No matter what, like, that, that is, we've evolved that way. There are reasons why we're like that. But the thing is, I, I, there was a time where I really struggled with this. And, like, there is no way humans are ever going to be truly selfless. Yeah. Because, because we still get personal benefit. We feel good about our ourselves when when we like help help out and that and that us feeling good is what compels us to help out more which mm-hmm. isn't truly selfless if you really think about it yeah but that's how we're designed and I don't think there's a way around it and I also don't think that's a bad thing no I don't think so either I actually think that's a good thing because I think like Cause we're if, still helping yeah if you can get something if you if you feeling good about yourself actually helps someone else then why should we feel bad about that There's no reason to feel bad about that. And we're allowed to feel happy. Like, it's good. If you're feeling happy when you're giving, then the person who's receiving what you're giving is probably going to feel happy, too. Everyone's happy. There's no problem here. Yeah. But... Totally. But, yeah, it is true that, you know, like, a lot of times people do give for selfish reasons more than just feeling happy people give because they 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 like to post on facebook that they gave right they like or that quid pro quo of like if i give i'll get this in in return or they want to generate some good karma for themselves or that a lot of times it is there are kind of worse motives for doing it but the thing is we we need more people to give so badly that like whatever your reason is for giving (laughs) fine yeah fine just do it you know It's, it's better than nothing but of course, we could always try to be better. But yeah, that goes without saying. But yeah, I think that a good question to, for everyone to ask themselves in this chapter is like, why do you give? It, or if you don't give, wh- what's holding you back? Go on a little thought experiment. Yeah, I need which to do kind that of ties well. into the previous one. But I, I also yeah. think that I disagree. At the end of the day, I disagree with Machiavelli. I don't think that striving for goodness oh, yeah. causes causes. The, the ruin of man, you know? Yeah, like what? <laughs> Why would he think that? I don't think that. Because I don't... that's that's Machiavelli. That's like his whole vibe. His vibe is like, like be like, be, be stubborn. Like be like, what's it called? Ruthless. Like just go for like go seek for power for yourself, and that's gonna li- like that's gonna give you your best life. Yeah. 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 No, I think we've we're past that. Yeah, like, we've evolved. Yeah, we're not that anymore. Yeah. Okay. Next one. Yeah. All right. So the next one is by Joshua Green. And he says, our moral heartstrings were designed to be tugged, but not from very far away. But it's not because it's morally good for us to be that way. It's because caring about ourselves and our small little tribal group helped us survive. And caring about the other groups, the competition, didn't help us survive. If anything, we should have negative attitudes towards them. We're competing with them for resources. Dude, I love this quote. Yeah, me too. I love this quote because... I was challenged by it. I was like, whoa. Yeah, it reminded me of the truth how like yeah we care about like it's true we sort of do associate ourselves into our modern day tribes and our people and that's I think I was thinking about how our world is so divided right now and I think that this is a factor that I didn't I forgot to consider 
is our natural tendency to just form our own little mini clubs. And it's true, like from a survival standpoint, anybody outside of your club, even though even though they're your same species, is considered like a competitor to resources that you have from a very basic evolutionary sense. But that's still sort of how our brains operate, right? So yeah. I think that part of part of what makes us so divided and so easily like ganging up on each other is because we love feeling like we're part of our tribal group and we love like the feeling of our group winning or versus another one and we like feel stronger and bonded to our group. It's very well, hard even, for us to unite as a full group of people. Even within that, like what do you do when the group that's large feels small? Like social media and like, you know, YouTube mm. and all these like platforms, you can, you feel like you have this and we see it all the time with celebrities. Like, you feel like you have this intimate relationship with this person who you've been watching and blah, blah, blah. So it mm-hmm. feels like a small tribe. But in reality, it's reaching so many people that it does become divisive because you have two camps yeah. now because there's two ways to look at it. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, like, even how our tribes are consisted of is, like, blurred lines these days because uh, of the outreach of the Internet and social media. But yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of good thoughts in this chapter. One of them was they talked about hmm, which one do I want to choose? Which one should I go first? <laughs> I did just like a random side note of like how I'm an idiot today. Um, I highlighted normally in this book I highlight and then I write notes of what things I want to bring up, and I wrote the notes in my highlighter by accident. And now I can't read it at all. Like, I can't read my notes at all. So all I know is what I highlighted, but I don't know what I was thinking when I highlighted it. So this whole time is going to be a guessing game for me. But that's fine. We can wing it. Um, It's what it is. But one quote that I liked was, so earlier on he says that some people, like, assume that what is natural is inherently good. So, Mm -hmm. and he brings up, like, homosexuality, and that's why people are against homosexualities because they think it is unnatural because of the way like how like sex is whatever they they just think it's unnatural but catch 22 homosexuality occurs in nature all the time with with other animals so they kind of like debunk that one but it's true a lot of times we still assume that like that like things that are natural is good we do it with our i mean it's true with our diet like we we love things that say natural on it Mm -hmm. but does that mean it's actually good for us well not really because food companies lie about the word natural and like that has no like legal binding you can put natural in anything and it means whatever yeah. they want it and to be, but. and we have assumptions about what we think is natural right like even right even just thinking that homosexuality isn't natural or that actually if you go to the core of it that sex is only for reproduction yeah like we've already Which found in not, other yeah. species that there are other species that have sex for for pleasure so now we've defi- redefined the concept of sex and whether that's natural or unnatural. So then, then what? If it's for pleasure, then who's to say that homosexuality is wrong? Yeah. Right? Yes. And also, like, going back to, like, the main message of the quote, this is, it shows an example of why it can be hard to help people that aren't in your tribe. People that aren't similar to you, people that are, like, outside of your tribe. It's hard for us to feel compelled to help them because naturally, and this is a quote, for very good survival reasons, we have evolved to look after our own, our own tribe. But we also evolved to fear and fight competing tribes. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times there's these charities out there that say, hey, here, here's a specific group of people that need help. We, we may feel natural empathy and concern for them. But the reason why a lot of us don't do more than we like, the reason why a lot of us don't do more, period, is that they're outside of our tribe. Maybe we're just less compelled naturally to help. But like if my sister was had a problem, oh, I would do anything in the mm-hmm. world, yeah, you know, exactly. so like. Why would I move heaven and earth for like my family and my and my best friends? But if I see like a, if I hear like a story on Facebook about this like group of people that really need help, maybe I'll donate. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I don't usually donate when I see those. If I'm being honest, I probably should, but like I don't. But if I saw a thing about like my family, I would be like, oh god, let me like do whatever I can do. And that's well, because that's, that's, that's your tribe. So that's what they say about human beings, just like anthropologically, that like. We weren't meant to be, so we weren't supposed to be in these huge groups of people. Like, our, our, the max number of people we were supposed to, like, interact with were, like, 30 to 40, max. Mm. And think about how many people you, like, see on social media alone. Hmm, how many yeah. people that you interact with, like, at work and at home and friends of friends. And, like, our, our, our circle is so much bigger than what it was before, so we struggle with that. And so, in that way, like, 
yes, if we were still a small tribe, we would feel the same way. We would feel like we could help anyone through anything. But now that right. there's so many people, we now have the challenge of balancing, like, who do I help? Like, who is who is worthy of the help? Because I can only do so much. Yeah, well, that's, like, exactly this quote. We're like, here, here is the summary of our problem today. The major problem of moral philosophy is to figure out how to bridge the gap between our tribal instincts and the multi-tribal world we live in. Mm -hmm. How do we fight our natural instincts to just only take care of our tribe? When we live in a world where we are constantly running into people all day from different tribes and we're constantly seeing help that is needed from different tribes. Like, how do we somehow do that? And can we? For my can question, we? For me, I feel like my question is, like, can we? Is I mean, it possible? Yeah. There's only so many resources that you have. There's only so much time that you have. And, like, yes, I'm not making the argument not to do anything, but, like, there is there is a level at which you have to decide. Maybe that's why slacktivism is so big it's because yeah. you can't choose, and so you feel like, okay, I'm just going to do the bare minimum for everything so that yeah. it feels like I'm doing collectively enough. Yeah, well, the, in this chapter, this philosopher argues that, like, we have this, like, tribalism side, and then we also have this, like, utilitarian side. So mm -hmm. he thinks that we're sort of naturally altruistic to some degree, but that's only, like, half of us. So we have, like, one part that's like, yeah, we kind of, we, we, we do know in our head rationally that we should try and make choices that will help the greater good. But our heart, our soul, our instincts or whatever say the opposite. Not Well, not really the opposite, but it says you need to focus on your people and your circle and, like, do that. So we sort of do have these. And, like, we, we do have these two selves that sometimes, like, fight with each other and cause tension within us. And, like, I, for one, have felt that tension sometimes where it's like, hmm, like, I should be doing this, but I, but I don't want to because I feel like I need to save my money. And, like, it's the same thing with, like, I don't know if this chapter was the one. Yeah. Yeah, so think about parents. Parents have, like, a good amount... Parents with, like, two kids. They have a good amount of discretionary income. Now, should they... Are they going to buy their kids with this with this discretionary, discretionary income? Are they going to buy their kids a great Christmas present this year? Or are they going to use that money to, to donate it to children that are not their own children, but are children that are in much greater need than their own children? More often than not, parents are going to buy their own kids a great present that maybe they don't need over giving money to a child that's actually seriously in need. Mm -hmm. That is the norm. Mm -hmm. That's what happens because our tribal sides often win because as a parent, you're like, I have the money. I worked hard for this money. I'm supporting my family. These are my people. My money is going to go to my family. And totally in, a makes way, sense. in a way it has to, right? Because if you choose not your tribe or not has to, but like in a way it makes sense why we do that because we want to maintain our small tribe. We want our children to have that relationship with us that continues to be a small tribe because if we're caught doing everything for everyone else and not our own children, then our children learn, oh, I'm not in this tribe. I'm not True. part of this tribe anymore because I'm not important. I'm not getting like cause. this. Yeah. Right. So like, I feel like- Which it, is also not to. good. So, right, so exactly. we, we need to find a balance, I guess, of some kind. I mean, the author himself, he says, speaking for myself, I spend money on my children that would be better spent on distant starving children. And I have no intention of stopping. And he says that, honestly. And he also says, well, I know I'm a hypocrite by doing that, too, because morally, that's really not the best choice from a utilitarian standpoint. But you're right. We do it. There's many other reasons why we would do it. Like, you know, mm -hmm. you want to make your children feel loved. You want to, like we feel motivated we're like i earn this money like i want to i want to use it to elevate my family and like mm -hmm. you know yeah and my tribe which i get i get it but it's just hard we need to find a balance yeah but i just i love i love this chapter because it's, it was a good reminder of like our natural instincts versus like the right thing to do and how that can run into each other yeah totally totally yeah. totally i love it too one? yeah okay let's move on so the next one is by Derek, or did I read the last one? You can read this one. Um, okay, I don't really mind one or the other, but yeah. Derek Parf Parfit? Parfit? He's British, so I think it's Parfit. Derek Parfit, a British philosopher, he's an analytic moral philosopher, and he said, people deserve much less punishment, or even perhaps no punishment, for what they did many years ago, as compared to with what they did very recently. Whoa, speaking to the choir with the problems with cancel culture, right? Yeah. Is that what you thought when you read this? I literally, I read it and I wrote, huh? Because I was like, <laughs> this is completely where we're at right now. That We don't do this. No, no. We, we def, and, and to the point where like our worth, the, the person that we are today 
is defined by the worst mistake that we've made. Yeah, which you sucks. Know, well, history. celebrities and, like, influencers online, like, we we are knee-deep in digging through people's past, bringing up, causing people to apologize for things they did over a decade ago. I mean, this may be a hot take, but I don't think you have to necessarily do a public apology for something like that. Mm -hmm. And this chapter does actually support that because it talks about how, from a scientific standpoint, and I don't want to go into, like, the details because it was kind of weird how he explained it, but there's a lot of, like, ethical uh, scenarios in this chapter. But really what what, what it's... What's... Let me try again. What they're trying to actually say is you are literally a different person. Like, I, I know people joke where they're like, I was, I'm a different person from last summer. I'm like, that's not who I was. And that's almost an excuse to not be responsible for your actions. But literally, like, you're not. Like, every year you do change and you grow. Literally. <laughs> like, you are different. Like, this, this chapter supports that too, where it's like, yeah, is the new, like, are if if you if you look at yourself from when you were 13 do you even recognize her there are remnants of her that that are within you but don't you think you are literally a different person yeah no uh, because you a are thousand percent you and are like, a different it, person i think that that go- just goes like i think i think this quote really sums it up which is that is because so blah 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 that is because personal memories and personality and character Add up to the sum total of what a personal identity is. Yeah, that's what a personal identity... Wait, can you can you list those things again? Yes. Of what a personal identity personal is? Personal memories, personality, and character over the years add up to what the sum total yeah. of a personality so or that's a personal what makes identity us. is. Yeah. Which, like, you know, like, I, I think that a big... I wrote it down later, but a big thing with this is that, you know, even if you make, if you make a mistake... So, like, he gives an example... Of how, quote-unquote, Ralphie may have forgotten that he forged his brother's signature on a check to steal money from him, right? Yeah. Which, like, there was a time in my life when I was in third grade where I didn't do an assignment and I forged my dad's signature on oh, my yeah. on my assignment thing to say that I did yeah. it, right? Classic. Now, I would never do that again. And to say that, to, like, boil it down to, oh my gosh, Kavitha forged her dad's signature when she was in third grade, like, she's a terrible person... It negates all the learning I did afterwards, which is, that's wrong. Wouldn't you feel weird apologizing about that now? Oh, so, so strange. You would be like, I guess I'm sorry, but, like, that's, that wasn't really me that did it. And I've learned from that, right? Like, I know not to do that. And so it's, it's almost like right. I'm apologizing for someone I'm not anymore. You're, like, jumping you know? back in time and, like, yeah, I guess I'm sorry for that, but, like, I wouldn't do that today. Or even I was yeah. sorry at that time. It, like it yeah. takes away from even my my emotional reaction to totally. that experience which was that I was sorry at that time and now I have to restate it because god forbid that came forward and that offended you know people yeah. who who and I think that 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 is a true I feel like this is such an important concept to like really mm-hmm. embrace cuz I think right now we're in this culture where it sucks. Like you don't have you don't have the ability yeah. to change or grow because you don't feel like there's any point. And we become ashamed of the actions that our past self did and all this, as if you're still that person or as if right. you owe something to someone because of what you did. But no, like I I, I like two points here. One, he's he describes it pretty uh, well when he says. So it seems reasonable to say that our weak memories, so like things that happened a long time ago, weaker, more grayer memories, constitute less of our personal identity, so less of who we are, than do our strong memories. Likewise, our convictions and tastes. And then he continues when he says, and this is a key point, Parfit is not suggesting, this is a funny name, Parfit (laughs) is not suggesting some kind of forgive and forget morality. This isn't like a get out of jail free card necessarily he is just stating literally what what the situation is which is he is simply saying that over time with what with his waxing and waning of memories and convictions ralphie or insert any name this person he was talking about this person named ralphie has become a significantly different person so what sense would it make to punish this new ralphie for something the old ralphie did so many years ago and so it says like it's you know the your old self has become weaker, like less and less tied to who you are now. So almost so far to the point where punishing yourself for the for your old self's crime just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make sense. It seems silly, and that's why all those apology videos on YouTube are silly. I have a counter argument. Okay, what is it? What if if you're if you're living a public life, 
and you you haven't you haven't shared with the public the apology the growth that you've had do you in that case have a moral obligation to show the public because you've put yourself in a public platform that you are apologetic uh maybe not apologetic apologetic but maybe if you don't, if they don't know you've grown i don't know but can we do you think it's fair to assume that after a long enough amount of time no one's the same person like i think it's imp- isn't it impossible to stay stagnant in yourself but what i what i mean is that like if you're choosing if you're choosing to put yourself on a public platform right or any platform yeah. including social media uh-huh. do you have a moral obligation to continue to look backward to continuously check to make cuz here's what I'm trying to get at is that we're in a different world because everything that we do is public. So where I know personally, and this is just a counter argument, I don't think I agree with myself, but Mm -hmm. I know personally that I've grown from, you know, the girl who forges signatures Mm -hmm. and to get away with things. Right now, Mm -hmm. if if I was a public personality and I had done that at some point, I know that now, but I didn't post my apology. I didn't, like, make it public so that I have know. learned from that experience. Yeah, so my audience not, might not know. So being a public personality, do I have a moral obligation to show, hey, I feel apologetic towards what I did in the past? I think that's a good point, and I want to say, like, maybe, but I'm leaning towards no, because you as a person, you don't have to prove your morality to anyone. Your morality just exists. You don't, I mean there are going to be haters and followers that are going to be like, wow, they're going to assume that you as a public figure, by you not saying anything, they're going to assume the worst because that's what our society does. And they're going to be like, you must not be sorry. You you must not have changed. Mm-hmm. But that but that's, they're in the wrong for making that assumption. Mm-hmm. I don't think you have anything to prove. In fact, really, if you're going to assume, the, mo- the more likely option is that they were probably very different than that than that thing they said 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Because at most people, 99% of people are going to be different than they were 10 years ago. And hopefully would have grown. So it's just, I think I think the, the onus is on the, the viewer to not make assumptions. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Because even as a, because I think that what we do share is the human experience. Which like is that the I can doubt. look at myself and know that I wasn't who I was three, 10 years ago. Yeah. Three years ago. But... How can I hold the person that I'm watching to a standard? And so I think I understand. So I understand when people react to things that happen current. Mm-hmm. That I understand to a certain extent. And I understand the the challenge for an apology. Because that is to say that, like, your current self made it, like, mess, messed up. Mm-hmm. Now, do I think they should be canceled over it? No. But do I think that it's fair to call that into question? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's fair to call it into question, I guess. Well, if, if it's recent, I think it's fair to call it into question. Yeah, but not... I don't think they should be canceled over it. Like, I don't no. think that means that they're, they've stopped becoming a relevant person in the world. I think in, in the ideal world, you, you make a mistake, you apologize as soon as pos- as soon as you possibly can, and then you move on. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you don't get slack for it again. Right. Now, something Unless that I do thought it again. of. Yeah, exactly. And something that I thought of, though, was, like, I don't... This is sort of a counter to it as well. What about crime? Like, if you... Let's think think of some of the worst crimes out there, like rape and murder. If you raped and murdered someone 10 years ago and you got away with it, and then 10 years ago, we're different now. They're like, that... Like, and say... And say... Mm. So that that person never did it again. Nothing at all. Was a model citizen for 10 years straight. But then evidence came up which i'm sure this has happened in real life and now they're like they're like what that but i'm not that's not who i am anymore should they be punished this is the ethical dilemma because according to this they are literally different and it's very possible they have grown and become better than that what good would punishing them do but like i think that they're yeah it's a great point it's really tricky it's an amazing point you bring up but i think there is when when the when the person who gets hurt is that personal, it's a very personal experience Mm. rather than like you've offended an entire race, which I know is in terms of the number of people it's worse, but in terms of like the actual effect to their, their life, it's not as bad as like actually raping someone. So I think in that way it has a little bit of a different weight. Yeah. And I think that's a really good, interesting point you brought up. Yeah. Part of what I think about this is if you do something 
like there's it's it's all about it's all about a degree like if you kill someone then there is no amount of time that 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 you could take that would that that would you know not have you be punished for it that would that would make a case for you not needing to be like punished for it or to be in jail murder like there are a few things that you can't that time there's a can't permanence. heal there's a permanence to murder right because right. nothing you do like in a way when you say something racist right over time yeah. you can take you can learn and you, you can, can improve you can improve and you can fight that that uh you you can fight the fight to like show that you're not racist anymore right because you can't you can unmurder learn, someone right? you can't unmurder someone you can never bring you will someone always back always be a murderer but I don't know. Maybe I don't I'm just that's valid. Maybe I don't know I'm, how squidgy. Yeah. The, I think the ground on that is a little squidgy, but I think. Do you know what I mean? I think I have a flaw here personally, where I think I'm almost too open-minded. Where like, unless, but th- this goes back to the tribal thing. Where I'm like, unless someone murdered someone in my tribe, then I would be like, oh hell no. They they should like, be tortured, be thrown in jail, the worst possible max life sentence, whatever. But like. I think it's a problem where I sometimes I I do kind of hesitate where I'm like, well, what if they literally are different now? Then like, is punishing them going to do any good at all? Is it going to actually make a difference at this point in the game? And like, you're, it's, it's what you said. Maybe, maybe in reality, the answer is no to that, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean we still from, for emotional reasons, want them to be thrown in jail, regardless of their, of, of their character today. We still emotionally want them to be in jail but even even with that example there's a permanence right to that like again like if they did murder your family like your family member you'll never get that family member back so in my opinion i don't think that i don't think that it time can't yeah it, it doesn't necessarily follow the same logic i wouldn't say i wouldn't say they should be like i don't know for me i wouldn't say like they i mean i love my family but in some ways torture and like like just the worst possible no but i see emotionally but i can feel that that's the emotion right it's the emotion that's coming up of like no like I want let's think hurt. about it literally yeah. like and but that again like that's my emotional reaction that's not my exactly what, the, the the hat i'm wearing right now is like open-minded reminder like let's think about this conceptually mm-hmm. but in reality there is the emotion we can't deny it and we have the emotion for a reason as well mm-hmm. so there is something to be said for that yeah. too it's not it's not like a un, it's not like a, an emotion that's not valid either yeah you know, so totally. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, this chapter was extreme, and it really challenged a lot of things. And it, I, I like it in the sense where, and I support it in the sense with like cancel culture, where mm-hmm. like, yeah, assume people grow over time, and that they, you really aren't the same person. Like people, people feel like they aren't the same person as they were yesterday, which is a stretch, but it's true. We, 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 we grow and evolve. So don't assume someone's identity and make assumptions about their character based on something they did a long, long time ago. But the exception is if they murdered or raped someone. Then <laughs> right. make all the assumptions you want, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So so it's interesting. <laughs> it's really, it's like, it's but, really uh, interesting. But for a reason. I think that there is, a, like, as a society, we've there decided, is a yeah, yeah. That those are the things that are, like, just There, There are certain things wrong. that cannot be Cause, forgiven cause you know or why? forgotten. Because in that moment, the person that you were in that moment should have still stopped you from doing that. Right. That's what I think. So it's still worth it to be punished for your past there self. There is no moment of your past self that should believe that murder is okay. Yeah, and and I and I think it's it's the idea that like if you were that bad early 10 years ago where you murdered someone, then there is no amount of correction and growth you could do that that would that would make you well enough to not be worthy of the punishment. Like you can't right. there isn't yeah. a, enough growth you could do in your whole life to make you better or past that or different from that. Yeah. So not different from that because I think you can change, but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't negate it enough for you to not experience the punishment. Yeah. Which I don't. I, I guess that's the assumption of this. Yeah. That's uh, at least that's at least that's that's why that must be why we still punish murderers that yeah. get caught ten years later. Justice. It's our yeah. justice system. We think people. I mean, justice has to be served. I guess in this yeah. country. Yeah. Yeah. Which I sort of. I mean. Yeah. And for the record, I support murderers going to jail. <laughs> Let's just get that straight. But yeah, in case there's any questions yeah. about that, let's not take that out of context. Yeah, but you know, it's it's a worthy thought experiment to yeah. think about. Like, how are we really calling the shots here? Is it emotionally based, or like, what 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 would you do if you had scientific evidence, scientific evidence that that someone 
is changed and is different, would you still want to punish them and throw them in jail? Yeah. Just something to think about. Yeah, it is. Something to think about. Okay. Honestly, should we skip this last chapter? Honestly, guys, this one was so bad. It was so, so bad. Should we just skip it? I'll read the quote. We'll give you our two-second respond to it. Yeah. So, there is no God, and Mary is his mother. That That's the quote, you guys. That's a quote. By there George. is no God, and Mary's mother. Yeah. It's, yeah. Me- it's meant to be a paradox. Yeah. There is no God, and Mary is his mother. If you're confused by that, basically what he's saying is, like, he he likes to put paradoxes, paradox sentences where he's like, yep, I'm rejecting that God is real, but I am acknowledging that Mary was Jesus's mother. Which we're and an that's atheist, supposed to mean something. That's just, like, for someone who doesn't believe in religion, like, in Christianity, they're like, yeah, and? Yeah, it's like, okay, we so, already know that there honestly, are real people. Honestly, I didn't have a true reaction to this. Um, I liked a different paradox he had in here better, which was, nobody goes there anymore, it's so crowded. Yeah, nobody goes that's anymore. That's a good it's paradox. So crowded. That that is a good paradox. But also, why are we even talking about paradoxes here? I don't even get what he's trying to say in terms of philosophy and life with this. Yeah. Like, what's the point? It's just a random paragraph about paradoxes and how we like them, which is fine. This 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 book is, you know, things that we things that he has come across in his life and that has he felt was noteworthy to write down i've written down a lot of stuff that makes no that is not relevant and makes no sense to anyone else besides me this appears to be one of them for him <laughs> <laughs> it means something to him probably yeah. I mean, it's in all right this book. Daniel. doesn't I mean anything to down me. yeah but anyways if you liked it there you go i didn't react too strongly to it so. if you can interpret that for us please do yeah because I honestly, we could I don't understand. Like, I just don't get it. Because There is no God, and Mary is his mother. There's also, like, by the way, if you're wanting context about this quote, there none is given, really. <laughs> yeah, correct. None is given. Correct. So we are just as confused as you are right now by hearing this random jumble of words together. It makes no sense. Like, most philosophical... Philosophical? Philosoph- <laughs> philosophical there jokes, it, it contains a paradox. Something both is and isn't at the same time. No God, but hey, this non-existent being has a mother. Hmm. Huh? Yeah, so that's, but like, that's fine. I, I actually get what he's trying to say, but I don't get why he's saying it. That's my problem. Yeah, uh, yeah, agreed. That's so, what it is. That's what it comes down like, to. Like, sure, yeah, like, you're you're acknowledging that there is no God, but yet you're saying this this non-thing that, that isn't real has a mother, which is thereby making it real. Okay, yep, that's a that's a poorly that's a poor paradox. <laughs> yep. Now what though? Yeah. That's now what? Mo- yeah. Well, yeah. that's it. That's just it. Now nothing. Yeah. That's no, the end now of that. nothing. And with that, we're going to end today's episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but all right, yeah, have remember a great, have a great day. Yeah, have a great day. Remember to follow us on Instagram. That's where all of our latest updates are. And also, if you are not following us yet on Instagram, we do mini like mini podcasts kind of on our Instagram story every now and then where we react to things like current events, poetry, songs, things like that. So uh, if you want a little fast, uh, not fast forwarded, but a speed version of this and some more like pop culture type reactions, then be sure to follow us at the open minded reminder on Instagram and email us feedback, email us interpretations of that last quote to yeah. the open minded reminder at gmail.com. But just so you know, guys, we're we're reading this book. Every time I find the meaning of life, they change it by Daniel Klein. We're working our way through. We probably have a few more episodes left before we'll be switching to a brand new book. That means now's your chance to let us know what you want to have us react to next. Because as you know, we dedicate a good chunk of time to really get through these books. So, and we want to hear from you, which books do you want to have us read, so. Yeah, and, like, it can be any book. So, if you have any ideas as to, like, what could spark some conversation between me and Allie, it can literally be, like, fiction, any nonfiction, book. history, non like, non-history. 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 There non-history. are a lot of non-history books out there. <laughs> some may argue our actual history textbooks are, in fact, non-history. <laughs> that's a whole other issue that's been going on. We've been, so, yeah, so yeah. anything under the sun really is open open game. So yeah. let us know if you have, if you've read a book or if you've read something in the past that you've been like, I really want, I want them to, to talk about it. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go decorate our apartment for Christmas now. Yep. Okay, bye. Merry Christmas. Bye.